going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 52 of Joe vs. World. Today's show is a, a sequel of sorts to episode 24, the Marine episode, which is apropos since uh, we're going to the movies today, namely The Condemned, and my reviewing partner is uh, 10,000 time guest Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? I am outstanding, Joe. Good stuff. Now, we, we talked about this before when we, we heard that Condemned was coming out. We heard some early reviews. Everyone said it was very good. We were a little, a little anxious about approaching a show, but then reviewers just lambasted it. It bombed at the box office, and I think we both breathed a sigh of relief at that point. Uh, absolutely. And uh, it, it's kind of actually embarrassing in retrospect that after seeing the movie that – um, WWE people would watch that and say, yeah, you know what? I think we we do have something here. <laughs> Let's definitely get that out to critics because I'm <laughs> sure they're going to take uh, quite nicely to it. Sure. So what would you think overall of your condemned experience? Um, well, I'll say they made progress from the Marines. Yes. Because... Like, whereas that was a, a comical embarrassment in the movie with the preposterous acting and, and scenes and everything, this was more of a... They've gotten to the point, they've advanced to the level where they can make a bad movie that just comes across as a bad movie by the regular standard of bad movies. Yeah, and not not a whole new level of, um, of I guess, the WWE subgenre of horrific filmmaking. Right, right. All right, well... We'll get into this here. Of course, it stars Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I will refer to as Stone Cold whenever I discuss his character, since he is essentially Stone Cold. And I love the um, I love the swelling music when the WWE Films logo flashes, like it's a Merchant Ivory film or something, instead of you know a wrestling company making movies. Right, right. It's a lot of fanfare, and not like Kevin Dunn house band hard rocking saliva type music, but you know fancy. A, the kind of music they would play when you discovered an important treasure on a role-playing video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, um, how many people, when you saw this on uh, yesterday, or a Wednesday, I should say, I saw it on a Tuesday because it was $5 movie day, and also I wasn't sure the movie would last much longer than that, but I was um, at a, an afternoon, actually an after-work showing. There were about seven people in the theater, uh, probably as many as there were this weekend, but how about you? Yeah, I saw it on a Wednesday night, today being Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, depending on. Uh, but um, and uh, so, granted, it was a Wednesday night, so it's not really a fair assessment. But I was the only person in the theater. <laughs> wow, it felt uh, pretty fitting. It meant I could I could stretch out and and really get involved. Did you yell comments at the screen or? <laughs> um. It would have been from well, maybe we should have done the show while I was watching. The movie. <laughs> we could, we could have. You could have been on the phone doing like a, an audio commentary as it happened. The uh, yeah, maybe that that should be on the DVD. What was the movie that came out? It was like Epic Movie or something. Something dumb like that, yeah. Where they uh, they let two critics do the, the commentary <laughs> and tear the movie apart. Oh, so that's our future, I think, in this. Mm. Well, I heard Alvarez wants to buy you out. Yeah, uh, well, we're trying to negotiate that, but there are some uh, sticking details. His offer much too insulting. Just admin Tony for me. That's you know, that's a very lopsided trade, but we'll that's see. Cool. All right. I'm just picturing like a mystery science theater silhouette with just your head at the bottom of the screen. 
watching uh, the movie. That was more or less it. I mean, we got the, uh, <laughs> the elevated seating now, so that was luxurious. Oh, wow. I didn't have to pick of anywhere. I went dead center, so. Yeah. Um, and really took it all in. Yeah, well, I guess we should recap the film. Let's, it, it opened, uh, it opened somewhere. I don't remember where, but it could have been Al Qaeda headquarters, comma, Iraq, but, um, it was a prison of some kind where a, a beefy prisoner, and I was making the joke, it looked like Nathan Jones is dead, but it actually was Nathan Jones. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, haha, that guy looks like Nathan Jones, <laughs> the wrestler, and this is a WWE movie, and then turns out it was. It was him, and, um, he fought three other men, and he, Defeated them using mixed martial malarkey, although eye gouging was involved, so this was clearly not sanctioned by the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission. So look for a five-page write-up on this in next week's Observer. I don't mean to contradict the host, but I thought that the first large bald uh, inmate was Vinnie Jones, and then they went to Nathan Jones. Oh, I wasn't really... I was not paying a world's attention at this point. to be in there by yourself, you, you attention to detail. That's right. So, but it, uh, I mean, it's, they look similar. Uh, one is Australian and one is British, so same accent. Okay. And um, so they both were doing the same thing. I understand. Uh, their their name is both Jones. Yeah. So. This is very easily confused. Yep. All right. Well, it turns out that uh, Mr. Jones, whoever he was, is being recruited for a wacky reality show, and we we cut to a desert island where. The director, uh, Goldman, I think his name was. They called him Goldie. He was yelling about oranges. Did you Did you catch that? That was uh, I, a little slice of life. I, guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what his beef with oranges was. I just thought it was like, no more oranges. And Goldie maybe, was having a rough go of things. He was. He only get rougher. He, he would have it indeed a rough day. But we met the, uh, the, the brains behind this, Ian Breckel, I guess his name was, who the, the millionaire who organized this... Uh, this wacky reality show, and he had an interview with the liberal media, a, a, a Diane Sawyer type, talking about his reality show where 10 death row convicts from around the world would fight to the death on an island and the winner goes free. Naturally, Diane Sawyer was not down with this, considered it immoral, which, which seemed to fluster Ian quite a bit. And I'm like, what, what was he expecting, pray tell? The Nobel Prize? A pat on the back? <laughs> he could not believe it. Um, yeah, he had a vision. Um I don't. I think he he was kind of a. If he was trying to channel like evil Jeremy Piven from Entourage, something <laughs> like that. But, uh, he was quite a jerk, I must say. Yeah, he not the not the best character. But this interview would would uh, this is laying the groundwork for a an important moment. A later vital today. moment in cinema history later on. I don't. I don't really understand why he did media for this. It seems like this is the kind of thing you would want to keep anonymous and not. You know, publicize that you're, you know, having killing done for entertainment. Yeah, that was a, a bit contradictory. He was doing, he was publicizing this on one of the, what I would uh, venture to guess is a major network news magazine type show. But at the same time, they were on a uh, remote location that couldn't be identified by the FBI. who <laughs> was trying to shut him down. Yeah. Couldn't, so, couldn't this woman just tell him where it was? Right. And, uh... Like, Breckman is a risk taker. I guess. He's a pioneer. He reminds me of Calvin Air of Bodog Fight. That's the whole... <laughs> that is um, very apt. Yeah. <laughs> both have um, wacky concepts of men fighting in bizarre places. Yep. Both eccentric yep. millionaires. Interesting. 
Indeed. Anyway, uh, Ian's assistants, one of whom was uh, the super cute Bella, who very well may have been the best thing in the movie, tells him uh, one of his contestants has died. So they go, they look for an Arab, and they find one in uh, not Muhammad Hassan, but they uh, they find one in Ecuador. And in the prison, they get two white guys, one of whom was Stone Cold Steve Austin, I guess to get beat up by the Arab, but Stone Cold beats him up instead and finds himself recruited for this most dangerous game. Mm-hmm. I believe either this or the prior prison was, in fact, a Punjabi prison. <laughs> Very well may have been. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, again, quite callous on the on the part of Major League jerk Ian Bre- Breckle. Breckle. Man. Breck. Because because just for... Uh, cool footage to hype up his competitors he actually also gets them to kill two or three other inmates apiece apparently so they can put together a a highlight package Hmm. so uh austin i believe austin was very excited about the first line his first line in the movie which is something about how uh they, they say the warden wants to see you and steve says tell the warden he can go fuck himself so I really got it off with a bang. Yeah. Because like, Stone Cold saying fuck and motherfucker is is a definite treat, but uh, he already said that in The Longest Yard. Ah. So not as much of a, a novelty draw. Although here we do get to hear Austin say cocksucker. I was about to say that. If you want to hear Stone Cold say call someone a cocksucker, there you go. Just wait for your – go to your local blockbuster. It may, it may be available mm-hmm. by the time. Hopefully they come out with a t-shirt that says, Arrive, call someone a cocksucker. <laughs> that would work. So, um, yeah, we we, uh, we meet the other contestants, uh, including a husband-wife team we're supposed to root for, even though they apparently killed a lot of people. There was uh, an Asian guy, uh, a black woman, uh, a guy who looked like Dave Grohl on steroids. I don't mean to be, you know, I want to sound racist by referring to these people by their ethnic- ethnicity, but that was really the extent of their characterization. You know, it's the Asian guy. Yep, that's how the film portrayed them, and that's how Ian, being um, a a hard-souled individual, that's all he thought of these people as. Was I mean, he didn't see them as human beings, Joe. He just saw them as, as components. Yep. He saw them as dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty disgraceful. Not so good. But the, the gist of the story is they all have bombs on their legs that to go off in 30 hours. And then, which can also be set off by pulling a tab. And uh, they want to write a bio for Stone Cold, but he's a bit he's a bit standoffish, so they end up burying him worse than Vince did when he walked out in uh, 2002. <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, maybe the closest thing to approaching clever in the movie. <laughs> this is the, the bio they came up with for whatever his name is. Uh, it, was, um, it was not Jake Cage, which would have been a nice crossover with uh, Nash Jack, Bridges, but Jack, Jack Conrad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mortimer Diphthong. <laughs> they, they said he, he... He's a KKK bombed. member who bombed um, a hospital for infants and retarded people or something yeah. of that nature. Correct. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, again, kind of unusual for this film that um, even though the, the contestants were 10 death row inmates and nine of them because it ended up uh, that that Jack Conrad was not actually such a bad guy, if you yeah. can believe that. Um, so that nine of the worst people in the world, and yet half of them end up being baby faces. Yeah. Kind so. of the... They looked at Stone Cold as the ultimate anti-hero, and they decided to extend that to half the cast. So, hmm. But uh, they get to the island, they get tossed off a helicopter, 
And Dave Grohl gets impaled on a rocker or something. So, wah wah. I'm sure you had a hearty laugh at uh, at that wacky antic. Definitely, definitely. I, it, that really, if I put down the forty nine ninety five to subscribe. <laughs> Webcast. One of the ten contestants was killed before it started. That's that's got to get you a refund. Yeah, that should you know. I hope Ian uh, looked into that before. Well, we'll get to his fate. But Stone Cold was kind of a dick on the helicopter, so they just tossed him off, and uh, he landed on the beach, and somehow did neither break his leg nor set his bomb off. So he was off to a good start. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a bomb expert, musicians, anything like that. But it seems like if you have a bomb on you, and you jump out of a helicopter and, and land like almost on the bomb. You know, something should happen. Right. Well, I, I guess the the bomb aspect is it gives people a handy way to, to strike the death blow. If they didn't want to kill them with their bare hands, they could blow them up somehow. Mm-hmm. And then if it – apparently the rules were you had to kill everybody in 30 hours or else anyone who was left alive would blow up. Sure. So you couldn't just hide in the tree or something. Right. So they you had to guarantee that yeah. you would try and play the game, which is why I don't understand what Jack Conrad's strategy was because I mean, it was really faulty. Oh. He refused to take the key to unlock his chains. Yeah. And he refused to kill people. So <laughs> his plan was just to ride this one out and uh, I don't know, sit in trees and look angry. Yeah. We had our first uh, showdown besides Dave Grohl and The Rock as uh, as Rio, the black woman, and uh, some guy with a beard who kind of looked like Sean Connery. They got into it on the beach, and uh, Rio proved she was quite the Rudo, or Ruda, because she kicked him in the nuts about ten times and then made him explode. So that was two down. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the movie did psychologically, I think, what they built up in terms of uh, the heels getting heat and then ultimately uh, – Getting comeuppance in the end was a little faulty, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But another psychological aspect was that rape, a man raping a, a woman was a high spot. Yeah. Because they teased the rape here. There were three, no, two women. Two women. The rape. the wife of the other guy and uh, this uh, Rio. Right. Two, two star-crossed Mexican uh, husband and wife. Who, yeah were mass murderers or something, but still loved each other. Yeah, so they're okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so this guy immediately goes for the rape, uh, but she's not having it. No. Nope. Uh, so it set the, uh, yeah, set the stage for for the big rape. Yeah. Uh, so she fights him off and uh, kills him, so I think we're probably looking at another series of um, commercials with... Um, uh, Layla Milani talking about how <laughs> so empowering for women and, and it uh, makes her proud because, you know, when dudes on the island try to rape me, I kick them in the dick. Like, pull the bomb on their head blow them up. Yeah. Oh, don't forget Layla the scene where uh, they made her take, uh, to put on a shirt which uh, showed her ample rack because this was not a soup kitchen as, uh, <laughs> Some guy said, when indeed it was not. So, yeah. Speaking of Stone Cold and his faulty strategy, he runs into Paco, who is the the husband of the husband and wife team. He's about to kill him until he finds out Paco's just looking for his wife. So he lets him go, gets a gracias for his troubles, and also gets a key to get out. So, but yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, this guy <laughs> obviously a very trustworthy man. If uh, you know mass murderer, you can you know they they do keep their word. So I don't blame Stone Cold for letting him go. Mm-mm. 
Well, I think ultimately they did have a, a pretty touching relationship, uh, maybe closer than Steve Austin and any wrestler. That may be. I guess, I mean, Austin and JR would be kind oh, of yeah. close. Austin never trusted another another wrestler the way he did. Austin and Kurt Angle, when they were friends for that two months, that's true. probably the closest example. Mm. But these guys were a lot less uh, jolly about it. They were pretty somber and... yeah. Um, they were under duress, you know. I mean, that's true. Yeah, well, we'll get into that in uh, a, a good bit. bit of duress. But yeah, but yeah, his strategy was very. Um, uh, I don't really understand what he's going for, but uh, ultimately it, it worked out. So I can't question. Yeah, I guess. I guess you know there's a method to his madness. But moving along, uh, the black guy who I guess is called Casey Mack runs into Saiga, the Asian guy. They have a brief fight, and then uh, Casey Mack runs away. And uh, Saiga runs into Ewan, or Ewan, I guess, the British guy and main bad guy, who he, Ewan talks him into forming a tag team, which was impressive, since I don't think Saiga spoke English. And I don't remember, uh, has there been a British-Asian uh, tag team combo? That's what I was thinking about. I couldn't think of one. classic um, heel dynamic of big and little. But, <laughs> um where, you know, the little guy be the little annoying flea, and then the big guy backs him up. Hmm. So, I don't know, Christian and Tomko is kind of, uh, but yeah. uh, along ethnic lines, I, I no. think the only, the only, the closest one would be, like, Tajiri and Rhino or something like that. Yeah, all right. And they were baby faces, so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Stone Cold runs into Nathan Jones, I believe, giving us the dream match we always, well, dreamed about. And the, the problem with the fight scenes is, I mean... They were edited so quick, and the camera was always shaking. It was kind of tough to tell what was going on at points. And I also threw up uh, eight times during the movie, which kind of distracted me. But anyway, the fight ends with uh, Nathan Jones. Well, I guess uh, Stone Cold gave him an exploder, for real. He fell off a cliff and blew up, which is uh, all of Nathan Jones' fights should end. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's really all there is to say. <laughs> a lot to add. I should note Nathan Jones' character was just called the Russian. He didn't even have a name, so you can add that. We have to do. We may have to do a show about Nathan Jones' filmography. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen um, Survivor Series 2003. And I've <laughs> seen uh, whatever that Greek mythology movie was. Troy. Troy. So. And also, there was a Jet Li movie. I believe he was in. Aha. Uh-huh. So, quite the quite the resume. Anyway, uh, we cut ahead to FBI headquarters where they're trying to figure out where this uh, deal is taking place. And there was a young FBI agent uh, who never wore a suit in the movie. I don't know if it was casual day at the FBI or what, but he runs into another agent who tells him they received a tip. One tip, apparently, from someone who recognized uh, Jack Conrad from uh, high school, which leads them to his ex-girlfriend who lives in Texas, of course. Uh, I had to laugh at this because this woman works as a waitress, but she has two kids, lives in a big house, and drives a truck. So if waitressing pays that good, I'm moving me to Austin right away. Well, let's play a quiz for the um, listeners at home or in their car or walking to class listening to their iPod. Um, Steve Austin's love interest in this movie was what hair color and was she an older woman? The answer is yes. She's an oldish blonde woman. Yeah. I believe that. Steve Austin and then a late 30s uh, blonde haired. I don't know if she was uh, naturally blonde. But, yeah. 
Uh, it definitely fit the the type. The man's got a type. Yeah, he does. Over to fiction. <laughs> well, I don't know if, if uh, Tess Broussard was actually blonde. I don't uh, know, but either way. Was that the name of the actress who? Uh... The one who stabbed him. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I believe this woman was Australian because uh, I could tell she was flipping from a Texas <laughs> accent into something. Um, from another hemisphere, and it ended up being Australian, as I did my research. Very good. Yeah, there's a lot of Aussies in this film, and they found a better grade of Australian than the Marine, I'll say that much. But Ind- Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ewan and Saiga capture the husband and wife duo, and why don't you talk about this first? <laughs> I'll let you handle this. Oh, it was, um, wow. Joe saw the movie first. Because we were talking ahead of time, we are like, I don't know if it's good, we're not going to be able to bring it hard when we try and do the review. Uh, and then he saw it, and he said, um, you know, no worries, I think we can get something out of this. And um, <clears throat> that was um, uh, reassuring for me, but I this was maybe what Joe highlighted that I couldn't even have imagined going into it, which is when the Mexican husband and wife... Uh, mass murderers, but they still love each other, so it's okay. And I think we're supposed to admire that. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're they separated because they get dropped out of the helicopters um, on different parts of the island. Mm-hmm. So they finally find each other, and they're, you know, very relieved and happy and, and still in love. And I, I'm not, again, sure what their expectations are because uh, only one of them is allowed to win, they yeah. can't both tie, and in 30 hours they're going to blow up. So uh, I guess they just wanted to spend the remaining 28 or however many hours, uh, spend that time together and and enjoy their, their remaining time. But unfortunately, um, <clears throat> Nathan Jones and, or I'm sorry, Vinny Jones, see, it's just that easy. <laughs> yeah. um, Vinny Jones and his uh, diminutive Tajiri partner come across them and it doesn't it doesn't go well uh they break the husband's leg mm-hmm. and then tie him to a tree and make him uh i think the implication was some kind of combination of uh tag team stabbing and rape type situation would that be accurate yeah i think so i don't know if I mean, we never really saw anything too too bad. I don't know if WWE can claim, well, you know, there clearly wasn't a, a rape in this. But nonetheless, they just casually killed her after that. And almost a seemingly comic moment as uh, it happens out of nowhere. And I, I was just, I'm like, and they really wonder why they got bad reviews for this. <laughs> it's really a mystery. This, is, this uh, horrific kind of, scene. Yep. And, I mean... Uh, the uh, the producers of the show had a similar difficult time watching this. Yeah. But, um, of course, they were fake characters, and uh, they could have made the decision to not uh, shoot a scene like this in the movie. It just felt very like beyond the the realm of what's just being mean and gone to the point of like uh, absurd. Like I'm sure there's probably like a a popular snuff film genre which is raping and blowing up a woman while your small Asian friend watches. <laughs> and that's probably what this is inspired by. <laughs> that could be. But, Maybe um, an 
I think they took that an XCW angle. From that. <laughs> that was the other half of the job, besides bleeding. So, but. yeah, they um, torture her for what felt like a, I don't know, an hour um, while the husband was tied to a tree being like, Ay, Dios mio. <laughs> and um, then they pull her, uh, what do you Tab, I guess, yeah. Blow her up. Yep. And so we're down to seven people, I believe. Something like that, but the husband does escape as they uh, they go back, so mm-hmm. we'll see him again. But as you mentioned, uh, uh, some people, especially Ian's girlfriend, who parts her hair in the middle, as you pointed out, suddenly realizes this may have been a bad idea in that when you take psychopaths out of prison and put them on an island to kill each other, bad things might happen. Yep. Crisis of conscience for... Because there are four... Um, I don't know what their jobs were, really. Yeah. The woman was the girl who parts her hair to the side was just his British girlfriend. That's right, just and, there for uh, whatever fun, and, I guess. And Goldman is uh, the producer of the show, and he was, I think, uh, kind of a nebbish Jewish guy who was, well, yeah, I'm doing it, but I don't know. Yeah. And um, then there was your friend, the the glasses <sighs> woman, who I think she was, I think she was. Um, Inspired by what are the that um, video game channel with the babes? Oh, oh, could be. uh, Get erections about on the internet. (laughs) G four. Uh, yeah, G four. I believe is right. Yeah, so she was some combination of that and the the girl from Twenty Four. Yep. And uh, the dude with the curly hair was more like. if you know Matt Besser from Upright Citizens Brigade, oh, he's yeah. much a, a clone of that guy. Oh. And the the latter two, they were cool with it. They were like, this is awesome. The condemned, killing people, stabbing people, blowing them up. This rules. And then um, Goldman and the British girlfriend who parts her hair to the side were kind of like raising their eyebrows. Like, Ooh, yeah, they were like, hmm. We've explained this premise to us for months, but now <laughs> Now that we see it, you know, who would have guessed? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they thought there'd be like a Scrabble tournament or something to figure out <laughs> right, who was right. the best but murder. Uh, moving right along, Casey Mack runs into Rio. They decide to team up. This leads to a scene where Mack details in excruciating detail his life story and getting <laughs> screwed over by a woman. And they may as well just have him wear a t-shirt that say, I'm about to explode. And uh, he did. It was classic uh, wrestling booking. If, if Maybe the... the preeminent example in the movie of uh, that because like the WWE influence did not carry over to the Asian guy because if they were in control he would have been squashed right away yeah instead he, he lasted for a while <laughs> got a, a sizable push but um, the woman uh, screwing over the guy is uh, right out of the handbook and, yeah uh, like you know, obviously, they teamed up because, yes, they are both uh, African-American. Hey, you're right. Um, so, wow. Yep. And uh, obviously, being an African-American, uh, when the gentleman was double-crossed, he reacted the, the way any uh, well-written black character would, which is by pretty much saying, damn, bitch, <laughs> and then blown up. So, <laughs> uh, Yes, he did. But he sure, that was an extensive backstory for a guy. Who, <laughs> it certainly like, was. Teens. Yeah. I, can't, I wonder what the book adaptation That's probably a whole chapter. Uh, <laughs> the Bantam book. Oh, with flashbacks? <laughs> <laughs> to flesh out the backstory. 
that's what this movie was really. It was like it was like um what's that short story? The most dangerous game yep. survivor meets mm-hmm. lost meets a stirring socio cultural commentary. Meets a snuff film. Yes. <laughs> what a combo. Back to Stone Cold, who is actually in this movie, in case you forgot. But um, he runs into the Mexican husband, who's in a bad mood after seeing his wife blow up. And he has a busted kneecap. And uh, Austin tells him to man up and uh, says he'll go north and try to get help because he saw a tower when they were flying over the island. This is apparently his only plan for the game was to find the tower and just hang out for the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but the his, his new Mexican friend... Uh, kind of changed his outlook as he also spent some time looking out for him. And uh, they have terms of endearment for each other. I think Austin calls the Mexican essay because he's Mexican, and the Mexican calls Jack uh, gringo because he is a gringo. Um, Makes sense. It's actually kind of a cute little relationship they have, but um, like many things in this movie, it, it doesn't work out so well. No, it didn't, because uh, Ewan and Saga get some weapons dropped off. and uh, Christmas they, package. Yeah, a Christmas package. And they uh, they find the husband and kick him quite a bit, and this leads to... <laughs> <laughs> this was... I got, I'll get to this in a sec, but this leads to the girlfriend and the director confronting Ian about his terrible misdeeds. And while they're lecturing him, a monitor in the background... <laughs> the Mexican guy's getting kicked like for ten straight minutes. <laughs> and I'm just—I couldn't help but get that was almost the funniest part in the film. But um, we'll get to that with uh, the reporter in a little bit. But yeah, but um, uh, Ian lays the smackdown on the director, tells him to get his ass back to work. The director agrees, and then he slaps his girlfriend, possibly for parting her hair down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He. That was a, a strange escalation of this joke, and we'll take an even stranger one in a, in a little bit with uh, the his relationship with his friends. Is this Ian Breckman Breckel? Is it Breckman or Breckel? I think it's Breckel. I don't like to pronounce Breckel because it just sounds stupid, but I want to be oh. accurate. Anyway, Ian, he I guess he, he starts off as just kind of a, a Joe Francis with maybe a little bit of a uh, bloodlust. And then as it goes on, he just gets that much more megalomaniacal. He does. And it, it, the first uh, example of that here is when he, uh, you know, slaps his girlfriend in the face. Just yeah. bam. Like, that's the way regular, high-powered executives behave. Yeah. But, well, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, Stone Cold makes it to the tower and actually calls his girlfriend. He manages sure. to give her the longitude of the island. Good thing she was around at that point. And, uh... He gets chased off, and uh, when he gets back to the Mexican husband, they're uh, they're, they're yeah they're still kicking him. <laughs> and he's, uh, mind that he's he's uh, got a broken leg, so he's a, a crippled Mexican gentleman, and they just get <laughs> repeatedly and violently kicked by a large British man and a small Asian man. <laughs> they take turns and. <laughs> and uh, they do not listen to Stone Cold's uh, telling them to stop, and in fact, they shoot him with an arrow <laughs> and set him on fire. <laughs> Allow me to clarify. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. For a good 45 minutes. Part of the care package that. Because they. The. Um, 
Ian controls everything on the island, and if he wants to help out a contestant, he will have one of his helicopters drop a bag with weapons and, yep. and booze and cigars. And That's right. The tool of the trade. And the, the weapon in this bag was a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after kicking him for uh, an exorbitant amount of time, they waited until Jack showed up and were like, you know, Oi, mate, I'm going to shoot him with an arrow. What are you going to do about it? And then they just do. <laughs> yeah, you're to be fair, the, the the bridge between them was out, and there was only a rope. Stone Cold could climb. Yep. So there's really there was nothing you could do but yell, and uh, didn't really work as um, <laughs> Mexican had a very bad day. Terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but of course the arrow that went directly through him from a close distance wasn't enough, and I think they poured some of the alcohol on him, and, and indeed lit him on fire. Yep. So. Huh, so that was that. Uh, back to Stone Cold's girlfriend, who goes to the bar she works at and uh, begins watching the the event. And then even and maybe the oddest thing in the film, everyone starts watching it on the big screen. And um, <laughs> this seems like an odd thing to do with someone you love in mortal peril. I can't imagine going in and wanting to watch the Astros game or something. But <laughs> it just especially when everyone got all sad towards the end and very what? very peculiar. She has a vested emotional interest in him, and instead of, like, cowering and, and averting her eyes whenever Jack is, is being uh, violently attacked, she's she's just cheering for him like it's an athletic event. She's like, yeah! Yeah, like when he's Jack. kicking the crap out of the Asian guy, she's, like, smiling, and I'm like, mm-hmm. is this really the Jack. man you knew? <laughs> that's our Jack. I, could be. But, that could very um, well be, but very odd. I mean, I like... Again, and oh, we should point out that it's um, seeing the merciless uh, destruction of his his uh, Mexican friend at the hands of Vinnie Jones and and his Asian sidekick is what convinces Austin that he's actually going to participate in the game and try to kill people. Yeah, and uh, never works until that point. His only strategy was to um, infiltrate the the production headquarters make a, a phone call to his uh what's her face girlfriend <laughs> whatever julie uh, or sarah julie, or... yeah okay tell her uh how much he cares about her and, and the two boys of hers uh like his own yep and uh then that's apparently his only uh oh did we explain the, the jack conrad backstory yet uh that's coming up in a little bit i think so we oh, can, okay. uh, we'll cover Sorry. that and, uh, but, but uh, yeah, so he he goes in, he calls <clears> her, and that's it. And, but then then he sees uh, uh, the violence perpetrated and decides he actually is going to try and kill people. Yep. And in fact, he finds the dastardly duo, but gets chased into um, a bunker or something where Rio was also hiding. And uh, Rio takes an arrow in the back and dies, which was quite a shame because uh, she was a very well fleshed out character, and I want to see <laughs> them do more with her. But you know, that's I guess that's the way it goes. And. Uh, uh, Stone Cold jumps in the sewer, and uh, they think he's dead for the first time. Correct. Yep. And uh, then we learn, thanks to the FBI and their wonderful exposition, that Jack Conrad, I think his name was actually Jack Riley, and he was a black ops operative for the for Uncle Sam. 
And he actually killed seven drug dealers in Ecuador, so he's still a good guy, even though he ended seven lives. And it was it was like Con Air of sorts, where you had Nicolas Cage had to be in prison, but you had to make it. He was still a good and likable person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, he he disappeared. He up and vanished from uh, Julie's life. Yep. No explanation because one day he said he was going to work and he never came back. Yep. So she thinks he done ran out on him like her her ex husband. That's uh, true. And uh, <clears throat> thankfully she's relieved to learn that it's not the case. But she's also very upset to learn that he is on a game show where he kills other people. So. Yeah. Not the best situation, but, but it uh, leads to an entertaining night at the bar for her. It certainly does. Quite a lively night. Apparently, the, the bartender slash owner was so sympathetic that he, he let her not work her shift. <laughs> Just watch the, uh, the uh, goings yeah. on. But that must now have cost the- her thousands of dollars, given what she must make. <laughs> but I, again, I think you brought this up before. I don't know how the big screen at the bar started <laughs> projecting that, yeah. internet streamed uh, webcast. They know what's going on in Texas. They're technically yeah, savvy. Apparently. It's the new Silicon Valley, apparently. But anyway, uh, Stone Cold finds uh, Saiga, the Japanese guy, and stabs him. Ooh. And then he uh, chases after Yuen, who jumps off a cliff into a lake. Again, not the best idea when you have a bomb on your leg. But uh, Stone Cold jumps after him. Uh, Yuen gets some guns as a, another gift package, like a, a video game. And apparently kills Stone Cold. He sees him floating in a, a river, but never thinks to check on him or maybe shoot him a few more times to be sure. He certainly floated like a dead body. Yes, he dead man's float. I was convinced. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, movie must be over, but um, no, other things happened, and we got maybe the greatest moment in cinematic history as we cut back to the Diane Sawyer type who gives a speech about the depravity we have just witnessed and what it says about us, and if maybe we who, who watch and condone this, maybe... Where the Condemned, which was real funny because it sounded like something Phil Mushnick would write, and here it is in a <laughs> WWE film. Also, I think uh, those words had a, a metaphorical value beyond uh, just um, the, the events of this movie and, and the, the Condemned webcast. I mean, yeah. could we not, in this era of, uh, of Iraq war footage and reality television, ask ourselves the same questions as this reporter posed. Hmm. Uh, I mean, could you and I, Joe, be the condemned? We we could be. Did you laugh out loud when you heard that line? Or I pumped my fist. Okay, I I was like I didn't want. I started laughing, but I kind of covered it up because there were other people around, and I just I thought it, I don't know. Well, it was not an appropriate time to laugh, but I really couldn't help it. So. <laughs> Had I been by myself, God only, I just, I may still be laughing. So, there are uh, uh, some uh, defining lines that I see in movie trailers, and then when they occur in the movie, after just so much repetition, I'm very happy to hear them. Mm-hmm. And this was one uh, in the Marine when Rome says that the Marine happened. That <laughs> That's this right. Month. And uh, in Walk the Line when Reese Witherspoon said. Baby, 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 baby was probably my third favorite. Okay, good to know. Uh, around this time, they learn the Navy is on the way, thanks to Jack uh, giving the longitude. So Ian prepares to get the hell out of Dodge and leave his crew behind. Goldberg, the director, uh, bitches about money and ends up getting his throat cut in a scene I'm sure Vince McMahon added in. <laughs> <laughs> a little fantasy for Vince, but... 
yeah, that was the end of the... It was, it's, this was a big morality play. This guy went along with it. He paid the price. For sure. And again, Ian's relationship with his friends escalates from just being kind of a jerk to slapping them in the face and now to having their throats slit. So. Yeah. That's character development. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, clearly he, Ian, is uh, no better than many of the contestants on his show. That could be. Uh, speaking of such, uh, the British guy, Ewan, arrives back at the home base, and we find out that he and Ian have been working together all along in a swerve that isn't terribly interesting or really added anything to the movie. But Ewan uh, doesn't get any money, which makes Ian look like a cheapskate since he made like a billion dollars off the whole deal. But <laughs> 40 million people watched it. At 50 bucks, that's like, that's uh, that's about 2, million, uh, 2 billion. Yeah. So... I don't know why you can't give this poor guy a couple bucks. I really don't. This is the biggest money show in pro wrestling. <laughs> Take that, Don Fry and Inoki. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, they had a bigger life gate, but WrestleMania, move over. Yep. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, so Ewan kind of pissed. He breaks free, beats up some guards. Uh, we'll get back to right, that in a Right, because sec. The, uh, the rules for participating in the condemned game was that uh, if you won you were set free and got some kind of lucrative cash prize. Yes. And uh, Vinnie Jones was mad because he, he skimped on the cash prize part. And he was like, oi, what's, you know, <laughs> what? Now, what's I, that all about? I like how I guess um, they added him to make things more exciting, I guess, or to make it interesting. Like, would this have been, like, real boring uh, had he not been a part of this? Would this have been, like, like making, like adding a ladder match to a card to... <laughs> right. I mean, like, I don't I don't really see how this would have been, like, you know, like, bad workers all put together. We, but, yeah, he, you know, like Ewan's going to um, carry them. You need a Japanese guy in pride tournaments or else you're not going to be... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he, he was the, um... The uh, Ogawa in this. Yep. They, um, Ian is like, well, you know, the concept is promising, but I don't have my Arab, and I need probably a wisecracking Englishman to say dickish puns after he kills people. There you go. So uh, anyway, Stone Cold, who is not dead, surprisingly, shows up at the camp, runs into Ian and some goons. He uh, dispatches said goons as Ian runs into the jungle, and remember that for uh, a few minutes later. Meanwhile, Ewan has a gun. He goes into the control room and blows Bellow away, so fuck him. Mm-hmm. But uh, and he shoots pretty much everyone, and, uh, including calling a woman ugly before he ends her life, which is very unnecessary, I thought. That's insult to injury, quite literally. Oh, a, yeah, another grisly scene. Yeah. Especially... Uh... In light of uh, current events, he was like, dude, this is uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> That's true. He shoots all of the people we've grown to, uh, I don't know, See tolerate. on the screen. Tolerate, sure. <laughs> um, Girl with glasses, Matt Besser, and uh, Goldie has already had his throat slit. Yeah, uh, these are other random people in the control room who are seen. <laughs> I remember seeing the woman who was called ugly uh, at, at other points just sitting in the background, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, again, morality play, and they got what was in fact coming to them. Yeah, uh, leaving only girl who parts her hair to the side. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and she was about to bite it when Stone Cold shows up, and um, pretty much just straight up kills uh, Ewan. Like, not even 
Ewan goes for a gun or tries to do something. He just sits him down and blows him away. That was definitely a very stirring climax, to be sure. Um, mm. Austin uh, comes in. He's about... She's uh, the only person left, and he's about to kill her, possibly rape number three, because, again, there's um, some well-thought-out rape psychology in the movie. And uh, he's on the verge of that. Austin comes in tells him to back off. And um, rather than have a climactic final fight, he more or less asks Vinnie Jones to give a climactic final speech. Mm-hmm. And so Vinnie talks about how he and, and Austin are so similar and he's, um, I think, SAS, which was a perhaps a nod to the episode of Extras when Ross Kemp says he was harder than Vinnie Jones, and he was SAS, which stands for Super Army Soldiers. <laughs> okay. But um, so I think uh, Ewan tries to strike a deal with Austin, and Austin's like. Well, let me consider that no, and then shoot. Yeah, that's right. He said, he, no, he's like, he's, did he say about getting raped in prison like 30 times a day? Oh, that's right. This was um, a callback to um, that scene in the Marine about the hard candy. Yeah. Uh, where Motif. For, <laughs> of um, anal rape. So, yeah, he, uh, the Vinnie Jones character was anally raped, which... Um, uh, oh, I know what that was. That was probably um, in the same way that the Vinnie Jones Juggernaut character from X-Men 3 delivered that uh, Juggernaut bitch line because it was popular on YouTube. Ah. So they wrote a part for Vinnie Jones to talk about getting anally raped because the Iron Sheik stuff has been so popular. <laughs> oh, wouldn't surprise me. And Stone Cold says, you've had a tough life, too bad it's about to end, and kills him. Boom. Boom. Wow. Yep. I mean, what a what a final flurry there. Yeah. That's a guy down and assassinated. <laughs> That's right. Now, uh, Stone Cold chases after Ian, who had a, like a 10-minute head start, mind you, but somehow gets to his helicopter like 30 seconds ahead of Stone Cold. So I don't know if he took a nap in the, in the middle of his trip. <laughs> Stone Cold tries to shoot him. It looks like he gets away. Ian does a sarcastic salute. But wait, Ian's girlfriend shows up with one of the bombs and hands it to Stone Cold, who... Throws it into the helicopter and blows Ian and his pilot up real good. This is actually the uh, the scene. Um, you actually see the helicopter explode in some of the commercials, which is kind of weird because it's the climax of the, the movie. But, yeah, I guess she learned that violence is wrong, so she should blow up her boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> well, she was slapped. <laughs> I guess so. He slapped that side part right out of her. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I did like the explosion, because doesn't it blow up and then crash into the mountain? Yes, it does. So that was uh, actually rather comical. But Yep. And then the movie ends 10 later. Yeah, Stone Cold drives up to, or is driven up to his girlfriend's farm. He gets out and smiles. They did embrace, probably because she realized he's killed about two dozen people and wants nothing to do <laughs> with him. I suspect the movie ends in a murder-suicide as her children watch on. The end. Um, uh, good. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, that's a, an allusion to the the life and death of which Pitbull? One or two? Uh, two, I think. Okay, good. All Glad right, they, they fit that in there. Oh boy, yeah, that was um, that was the end, and you know, much much better than the Marine. I thought it had a snappy pace. You know, I wasn't checking my watch every ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I mean, for as far as action movies go, as far as stupid action movies, I mean, you know, this is fine. Uh, 
not nothing I would call good with with good acting or clever lines or anything like that. But you know, they're making progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, incrementally, because um, yeah, like, like we said at the beginning, there's nothing as as outright preposterous as some of the things that went on in the in the Marine. It's True. Instead, just um, you know, mediocre to bad throughout, but nothing egregiously. No. So. But I mean. It seems like this could have been like more or less called the other Marine. <laughs> sure. Because like apparently WWE films, the extent of it is just uh, is movies where wrestlers play former soldiers. Yeah. And um, soldiers who are stone faced and grimace a lot and have know nothing but violence and want a better life. But like Cena and Austin, they both have a lot of personality and they can be. They can be funny guys, but all they do in these movies is just stare at people and shoot guns. Yeah. What well, uh, this movie was not a box office smash, as we've alluded to. Made less than the uh, than Sino uh, Evil and the Marine in their opening weekends, even though this opened in more theaters. Uh, what went wrong with this? Do you, do you have any theories? Is it just that Stone Cold's not on TV all the time, and he doesn't have that that you know that you know, that um, continuing character, like you see John Cena and, and Kane every week. So people, I don't want to say forget about him, but, you know, they're not as interested in seeing something he's doing. I would guess that's a part of it. Um, I mean, I guess it's had the same amount of promotion with the two trailers per show. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Kane's movie probably had the most attention paid to it with May 19th. Oop. They, the date of that film uh, in an ongoing angle and Cena at this point is a bigger I mean not a bigger deal but more likely to get people who watch Raw because they're watching it for John Cena not Steve Austin into the theaters yeah movie. What about uh, what about the strategy of releasing it to critics do you think that that hurt the film a lot or do you think this is a film no one's really looking for you know what uh Roger Roper has to say about it, or whoever that guy is. Um, it is weird that um, they would be like, yeah, well, let's definitely give this to critics because they are going to eat it up. Um, yeah. It mm. probably kind of caught them off guard, and I guess I feel kind of bad in that sense that they were so proud of this, only to see it uh, kicked repeatedly like a Mexican <laughs> like, yeah, like the Mexican husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's obviously the last one of these we're ever going to see released to uh, critics ahead of time, which is, you know, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a number of years and philosophical changes and maybe mergers before we see uh, WWE Films put together a movie that's a good critic bait. Because I feel like even if they did a comedy, which has a maybe a... No, I don't think there's any chance that a comedy would be better because it would be no humor and force type stuff. Yeah, Delta Force. (laughs) Yeah, do you think they're going to stick with uh, maybe made for TV movies for USA? Just going to be perhaps a better course of action at this point. Probably closer to their purview. I mean, it's pretty ambitious to say we are going to make movies and um, you know produce them for a nationwide audience mm. um, the USA Network and I guess assorted um, 
what is that conglomerate? USA, NBC, Universal? Yeah, Universal. I guess, I mean, somewhere on there, sci-fi or something like that, they would find room for it. I mean, I don't, I may, miniseries or something like that. I guess even Diamond Dallas Page had that uh, TV movie, so. Mm. Wasn't Chris Jericho in some uh, sci-fi movie? Something like that, yeah. He and Christian, I thought, were. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just Jericho. Oh, yeah, anyway. he was in the advertising. So, well, maybe uh, maybe The Condemned will have a long shelf life on video and uh, DVD, as as a Marine did, as it made about $30 million so far. So, hopefully that's that's the case, and this will not be a huge money loser, although, you know, I mean, these, I mean it's, it's actually fairly low risk when you factor in all the ways they can make money through, you know, DVD sales and rentals and, and selling mm-hmm. the, the TV rights, so. Marine had... Um a lot more, I mean, relatively a lot more star power, because, I mean, yeah. I don't know that anyone in this was an actual actor on the level of, of uh, Robert Patrick and the girl from Nip Tuck. I'm going to say but no. This was just Steve Austin. And yeah, and some Australians. Channeling <laughs> other people, like Jeremy <laughs> Piven and, and Matt Fester. Oh, yeah, Vinnie Jones is a, yeah. like, kind of a semi-notable British star as a hard yeah. man. Um, and Austin did okay. Again, oh, yeah. He, he but, didn't really have to do a lot. No, but me. Grimace. Yep. Grimace and shoot a gun. So, uh, as I said, I, I don't know what this will do for my idea of um, remaking Jerry Maguire with uh, Ken Kennedy, MVP, and uh, Jillian Hall in the Renee Zellweger role. <laughs> a lot of potential there. <laughs> like, you wouldn't see that. Um, you may be the only one in the theater again, but you would go see it. I would go see it. That's now fourteen dollars. I've pumped into uh, these Joe versus the movies shows, no. and I expect to be reimbursed at some point. Sure. And all that big uh, figure four money. Oh yeah, when that come, well, that deal may have gone up in smoke, but yep, that's going to do it for another show at the movies. Why don't you plug? You have stuff to plug actually now. I guess I do. Um, I am, well, I don't want, well, I'll commit to it. I am temporarily doing the raw reports on Observer.com while Todd Martin uh, embraces his newfound uh, post-law school lifestyle. And uh, so I don't know how long that'll be, but I guess until I get sick of having to write reports for two-hour-long TV shows that end at 11 o'clock on a weeknight. But for the time being, I've ascended to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Where you belong. Oh, proceed. Oh, no, I was just going to say, that's where you belong. Oh, absolutely. And um, I have a a blog full of uh, jokes and funny uh, words that sound like other words in a pun-type situation at uh, blog.myspace.com slash J-M-S-H-A. P-Y-R-O, with the Y in for the I, because the I was taken. Uh, oh, sorry, I just burped. <laughs> uh, they... This is what you bring to, to my episode, the Joe Get Me Burp. <laughs> That's true, I burped on the uh, the Marine episode as well, where you were talking about Nip Tuck. <laughs> you kind of have to listen for it, though, it's a bit of an Easter egg. <laughs> yep, I'm looking forward to that uh, commentary, when we, or they could uh, just run this over the movie, maybe. They really uh, could, we'd have to talk for... Uh... About another 40 minutes, but, you know, you can just loop it over again, and you'll get the same idea. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it. I want to thank you, as always. Always a good time. This was a very fun show. 
<laughs> Some of it may have to be edited in parts, but <clears throat> but I encourage everyone to visit JoeVersusTheWorld.com, versus all spelled out, or TheCubsFan.com for a full archive of shows, including all of Justin's prior appearances, including episode 24, where we tackled the Marine in a similar vein. Uh, I guess that's going to do it. Do you have any final words, Justin? I'm looking forward to the uh, imminent controversy from your insensitivity. Can't wait. All right, I will support so. you to an extent. Oh, that's what I love to hear. All right. I thank everyone for listening, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>